All right, CA students. It is good, good, good to be with you guys. Uh, for those of you that I haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet, my name's Levi. I'm one of the pastors here. How are we doing tonight? Doing all right. Good, good, good. Okay, go ahead and grab your seats. Hey, I uh, want to extend my welcome to my CA students family. Love you guys. Y'all look good. And I want to also extend a welcome to anyone who's visiting for the first time, you, uh, whether you're really into discos or you have a friend who's really into discos. Uh, so glad that you're joining us tonight. And uh, yeah, what we're going to do right now is we're just going to keep giving you a picture of what like a classic night at CA Students is going to look like. Uh, and so part of what we do every single week is we take some time to get into the Bible because we believe that the Bible is not just a cool book, we believe it's God's Word. And so when we come to God's Word, we actually come to an opportunity to experience God and hear from Him. And really that's what we're interested in every week. Amen? Amen. Cool. Uh, so as we kind of get into that, have you ever been in a disagreement with someone about something that's true and it really didn't matter? Uh, this is a problem when you hang out with nerds like me, but I remember I was playing Smash Bros with my college roommate, not that one, the other one, uh, and, <laughs> sorry, Peter, and we were playing, and I think I lost, and I quoted Captain America, and I said, I could do this all day, right, and he, he's kind of like, oh, brother, whatever, I'm like, hey, if Cap says it, in cap one, cap two, and cap three, it's good enough for me to say. It. That's good enough. And my friend pulls a, um, actually, cap doesn't say that in the second movie. And I said, that's absurd. So we consulted the internet, and he was right. And that didn't matter, but we had a disagreement. <laughs> we, we had a big disagreement, right? About, and I could think of other examples. My family quotes Nacho Libre all the time. And one time, my cousin had the, had the audacity to tell me that I was quoting it wrong. And so we watched the movie, and he was right. And that, that one hurt. <laughs> that one really hurt, right? But I don't want to talk about it. Um, but it's not, always, it's not always funny things that we disagree on, right? And sometimes we disagree on things that have a little bit more weight, things that are right or wrong, right? Things that... Uh, beliefs that we think are essential, that are good, or beliefs that we think are harmful and bad, right? And when people disagree about those, things can get heated. Things can feel unsafe, even in the midst of it, right? And what's funny is people, di some people disagree well, and some people disagree not so well, right? Literally this morning, Kayla and I, we were reading a story to our four-year-old, Glory. And we had read the story before, but I wasn't sure if she, like, remembered what was happening. And so something bad was happening. And she's like, Daddy, don't worry. He's going to be okay. And, and I, me, not wanting to spoil it, not sure if she was just coping or if she remembered, I'm like, we're just going to have to see. We're just going to have to read and find out, right? And she looks at me, like, sternly. She says, no, Daddy, I'm right. <laughs> I'm right about this. <laughs> And she was. <laughs> it was going to be okay, right? And so some people are kind of like really extern and aggressive in their disagreement, right? And so then when, when people can disagree well or disagree not so well and you touch topics that are important, topics that are intense, topics that really matter to people, things can get 
really riled up really quickly, right? Things can feel dangerous. Think you can feel vulnerable in some of these times. I remember when I was in high school, I was a junior. I was in my physics class sitting in the front row. And I had a buddy of mine. We were, we were friends. And, uh, and he knew that I was a Christian, and I knew that he was an atheist. And we were still buddies. You can be buddies, right? And I remember one day, I, I can't remember how it came up, and he wasn't being... He wasn't being belligerent or mean or anything, but he's like, what, what I don't understand about Christianity, about the Bible, is, like, why wouldn't God just, like, show up in the sky and, like, prove himself to everyone? Like, why doesn't God do that, right? And in that moment, see, students, I was scared, right? Because that felt like a big moment. That felt like a moment where I'm like, oh, man, I'm up? Isn't this my pastor's job, <laughs> Right? Like, I'm up to, to represent Jesus? I'm up to, like, it, to, to answer that? And I wonder if you guys have ever felt in a similar situation. If you ever felt like, oh, man, I don't know what to say right now. And, and this matters. And, and disagreeing feels like it could be dangerous, right? I don't know how to do this well. And I wonder if maybe you've been in that situation or maybe you've actively avoided those situations because you don't feel ready for it, right? You're like, I'm not even going to mess with that. <laughs> like I joked before, like that's my pastor's job or whatever. Can I tell you Ephesians 4, the pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of God. <laughs> and so, CA students, whether or not you've been in that situation before or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, I don't want you to be afraid of that. I don't want you to be afraid of that. I want you to be excited about that. I want you to feel confident about that. And I think that's different from knowing all the answers. So that's not what I'm talking about tonight. But I don't want you to be afraid. And so I want to talk a little bit more about disagreeing, right? Because we live in a little cultural moment called postmodernism. Google it. It's fascinating. And it's not helpful. Why? Because it's based on two core ideas, one moral relativism and self Referentiality. Ooh, write that down for your SAT word, right? What does that mean? It means that the self is the reference. And so if something doesn't seem right to me, then to me, that thing is not right. Thus moral relativism. It's just kind of whatever, right? I am the reference. And this is just not how reality functions. This is not what anyone thinks about math, right? Or like oh, lots of other things that are true, like but what the result of this postmodern, like, subconscious flow in our culture, the result is someone will cling to an idea, and they'll come to it like, oh, that's my truth, right? And it, in a moment, this idea that someone believes becomes melded with their identity because it's self-referentiality, right? Because I came to this idea, this is my truth. And so now... If someone was to disagree with that idea, that has become entangled with that person's identity. And so if that person is holding on to a wrong idea, a loving thing to do is to gently and humbly and kindly point them to truth. But suddenly, that's not love anymore, that's an attack. Because you're not talking about an idea, you're talking about a person. Do you see why postmodernism fails? Right? And so CA students, why am I bringing this up? It's because here at CA students, what we believe as followers of Jesus is that Christianity 
is true. It's not just my truth. It's not just Heather's truth. It's not Christianity is true objectively outside of me. Whether or not someone believes it to be true, it is true. It corresponds with reality. That's what we believe. And something that makes Christianity distinct from other world religions is that it's not just making claims about morality, philosophy, and spirituality. Christianity is making a bold claim about history. Events that took place in our world, right? And so if those things are true, then you need to pay attention to this, right? And if they're not true, you shouldn't give this any weight, right? That's something that makes Christianity different. You can dig, and you can determine, is what this book says true, right? And so we, what, what do Christians believe, this bold claim about history? There is an eternal, all-powerful God that created everything out of nothing. And in a couple weeks, we're going to talk about how that is the very best answer to the origin of matter and biogenesis. And that'll be fun and interesting, right? But, but that's, a, that's a claim that Christians believe to be true about reality. We believe that created humanity rebelled against God, re- rebelled against a good God, and all brokenness, pain, sickness, death, and suffering resulted from that rebellion, and that rebellion is called sin. And in that moment, humankind was separated from God as a result of that sin. And despite humanity's rejection and ongoing rebellion, the God of the Bible is revealed to be a God of both justice and love. And he loves his creation. And so he made a plan to save them, save us from ourselves, from our sin, in a way that neither compromises his love nor his justice. This God took on flesh as Jesus of Nazareth. No historian disputes the the historicity of Jesus of Nazareth, by the way, right? You can read Josephus, right? It's not just the Bible that talks about Jesus. This was a historical figure. God took on flesh as Jesus of Nazareth. He lived a perfect life. He died a sacrificial death, and he rose again, conquering the grave. And what we believe is that those who repent and believe in Jesus as the Savior will be rescued from their sin, experience present communion with God, and look forward to an eternity with God in his redeemed creation. That's what Christians believe. And so, as followers of Jesus, we believe this is history. It's not metaphor. It's not myth. We believe that that is history. We believe that's true. But not everyone believes that Christianity is true like my friend in physics class, right? And so what happens now? If Christianity is true, and we'll be using the rest of this teaching series to show why it is, then it's not only the best news, it's the most important news in the world. Because there is a real problem, and there is a real solution to that problem. And yet we find ourselves, while that's true, at the same moment, we find ourselves in a cultural moment where if someone disagrees with that premise, then disagreeing with them is not just disagreeing with their idea, but it's rejecting their personhood. And so it's a tricky spot. <laughs> Anyone else feel that? I feel that. And, and, and I think that feeds into why sometimes I'm scared when my friend in physics class asks me a big question. And I'm like, I'm up. I need to represent Jesus in this moment. 
C students, I want to put forth the idea that if you're humble and kind, if you're humble and kind, then sharing the truth about God, which is the truth, it's the most loving thing you could do. It's not rejecting someone else. It's not oppressing someone else. If you are humble and kind and you present the facts and you give them an opportunity to respond to those, that is the most loving thing you can do. You're not rejecting that person. But you didn't come to hear my hot takes. You came to hear scriptures. So let's read Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 through 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. What is this, what is this verse talking about? It's, it's talking about when in your conversations with your friends, whether they bring it up, whether you bring it up, right? Let your conversation be full of grace. Make the most of every opportunity so that you can answer everyone. Talk about the good reasons you have for the good hope that you have, CA students. And I just want to recognize, I've, I've most of my life felt inadequate to this task. I still do at times. And, and I just know, because I've talked to many of you, and, and because I was a high schooler, that many of you feel inadequate as well. And so, really, because of like everything we've talked about so far, what we need is a game plan, right? And so that's the somewhat cheesy title for this sermon series, right? Game plan, right? Because we want to walk into this thoughtfully. This is a reality. This is something that God is calling us to do. It's the most loving thing we can do for anyone in our lives. So let's do it well. Amen? Let's go into this with a game plan, right? And so I just want to give you... Again, the kind of the rest of the series, we're going to be talking about more details. But today, I just kind of want to talk about an approach. How do, how do we navigate these conversations, right? And so first of all, number one, I want you to be ready. Be ready. Again, that Colossians verse says, make the most of every opportunity. What does that mean? There are going to be opportunities. And if you're not ready, you, you will be tempted to shy away from them and disqualify yourself and not step into the game, right? 2 Timothy 4 through 2 also says, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. I don't know about you, but I've played sports, and out of season, I was not as in good of shape as I was in season, right? But what's this? It's saying in season and out of season. Be prepared. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Really, what do I mean by be ready? What I don't mean is have every fact about God memorized, right? What I mean is be a noticer. Be ready to observe when someone asks a question or floats out a comment that is asking for a response, right? Be ready to notice something and just follow up on that. Ask about something your friend is wearing. Ask, ask about what did you mean by that? right? Be a noticer. Be ready to step in to these conversations because these opportunities are going to arise. Again, this does not mean you have to know everything. You have to know something, but mainly you have to be willing to get in the game. And so, number one, I'm calling you to be ready. Second, I'm calling you to be nice. (laughs) Be nice. 
Again, that Colossians 4 verse says, let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. Let it taste good, right? 1 Peter 3.15 also says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And the next verse says, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. See, students, if you have truth and you're attacking people with it, you're doing it wrong. People are not the enemy. Bad ideas are the enemy. I'll say it again. People are not the enemy. Bad ideas are the enemy. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. What's this saying? What's it talking about? What's a stronghold? It says this, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What the Bible is saying is that there are ways of thinking. There are beliefs some people hold that act as like walls between them and seeing the truth of who God is, right? And so when we have these conversations, it's true that we are targeting people's bad ideas. But remember, people are separate from their ideas, right? And when we do this kindly, that's our motive. That's where I want to say our motive is kindness. I want you to see the truth of Jesus. I want you to be set free from these false ideas that are holding you down and keeping you into sin. When, whenever someone believes a lie, it leads to harm. I want people to be delivered from that. That's my motive. My motive is kindness. But also, CA students, our method needs to be kindness. It's not just a good motive, it's a good method, right? We need to be, show warmth in your conversations right? Ask genuine questions. Probe gently when people say something. Be calm and be patient. If you're just kind of belligerent and you make people mad, people are very unlikely to change their minds when they're mad. The, the body goes into fight or flight, right? And neither of those are good for changing your mind, <laughs> right? We, we want to be warm. We want to be kind, right? I'm not saying you can perfectly control everyone's response, to what you say and what you do, but you can control your kindness and gentleness and humility as you approach it, right? And so if both your motive and your method are kindness, then sharing the truth is the most loving thing you can do, CA students. Last one is this. I want you to be strategic. Ooh, strategic. What do you mean by that, Levi? Let's talk about it. By reading a story from Jesus, Matthew 22, starting in verse 15. Then the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day and didn't like Jesus, went out and laid plans to trap Jesus in his words. Ooh, bad guy stuff. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you're a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Buttering him up. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? This is a trap, right? Because if Jesus says, yeah, pay taxes to Caesar, they're going to be like, you like the Romans and we hate the Romans. Forget you. And if he says, no, don't pay the tax, they're going to be like, uh, Rome? This guy says not to pay the tax. Right. Like, this is just a trap. 
they're trying to trap Jesus. But look at, look at what it says. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius, which is the coin. And he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Uh, Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they got owned. They were amazed. <laughs> so they left him and went away. <laughs> right? See, students, we want to be strategic in this. Again, tensions can kind of run high on conversations that matter. And so you can be, you can be nice and you can be ready. And at the same time, sometimes, sometimes it just feels right to just like make a stand and like say what you believe and completely close the conversation, right? And so I'm not saying there's never a time to take a stand, right, and declare what you believe. That's, that's true. That's good, right? But one of the main thoughts I want to encourage you guys with is this. To have a fruitful conversation, you don't have to have a million facts memorized about God, right? You don't have to know, like, every fact there is about science and how the science and the Bible are in harmony, right? And about all these other things. What's more important is that you have a thoughtful, humble, and strategic way to navigate these conversations. And so the single most important strategy that I want to offer you, and this strategy is going to embody humility, if you do it well. It's going to embody care for the other person, is like Jesus, ask questions. Like Jesus, ask questions. Notice, they're like, should you pay the tax or not? What does Jesus do? He says, show me the coin, right? He's like, what's on the coin? Jesus asks a question in response to their question. What does this do? This does several things. First of all, it in a lot of ways removes the burden of proof from you. Sometimes something that has daunted me before is like, well, I, I can't have that conversation. I don't know how to prove everything from A to Z, right? What if instead, if my friend said something, I say, oh, why do you believe that? And then they say something. It's like, oh, where did you hear that, right? And you're, instead of feeling like you need to give the full account of everything that's ever happened in church history, you're actually engaging with your friend. You're like, why do you believe that? And it doesn't have to be accusatory, right? It can be curious. People love to talk about themselves, right? Except for middle schoolers. They're hard to have conversations with, right? I love them, right? People love to talk about themselves. And if you ask a question, it makes someone feel seen. It makes someone feel cared for. And, and it helps you to understand what it is that they're believing, right? So it removes the burden of proof from you. It also, if you just state your convictions, right? That will often close a conversation. Questions open a conversation, right? It's literally like when you are trying to have a conversation with someone, it happens when people keep asking questions to each other, right? This is why, never mind. <laughs> I love middle schoolers, right? <laughs> and so ask questions. Keep the conversations going, right? It, the other thing asking questions does, it helps you to adjust to the individual, right? You, when someone reveals, like, a specific situation, you can ask a question about that. Each circumstance is different. Each person is unique. And if someone has a resistance to something about God, you can ask questions, and you can find the reason behind the resistance, and then you can talk about that, right? 
See, students asking questions, it's humble, it's kind. It convinces the other person that you care, right? When, and we genuinely, genuinely should care. And so just a couple questions to leave you guys with. Sometimes people will say like, well, I don't believe in the Bible because there are so many contradictions. And you can just ask, which, which contradiction in particular is so concerning to you? And in my experience, 90% of the time they can't name one. And they're like, oh, well, I heard that there are, where did you hear that? Right? And, and you're staying humble, you're staying kind, right? Like, where did you hear that? And, and in a really gentle, humble way, it's a kindness to help people see like, oh, I'm not building my life on a very firm foundation. Right? And you can invite them then. It's like, well, have you considered the manuscript evidence, archaeological evidence, predictive prophecy of the Bible? Right? And, and you'll learn some of those things. And you just ask, like, have you considered this? Instead of assuming, why don't you believe in this? Have you thought about this before? Right? It's staying humble. It's staying genuine. Right? Asking, where did you hear that? How did you come to that conclusion? Or if someone asks something that feels like a trap, you can ask, why do you ask that? Right? And you can find out what they're actually after. <laughs> right? So see, students, I encourage you, just ask a lot of questions. Right? This is, this is how I want to end this thought. Right? As followers of Jesus, we have the most important news in the world. We also have the best news in the world. But it's not just hype. This Christian worldview, according to the Bible, it holds up better than anything else out there. And so I want to encourage you, you don't need to be scared of these conversations, CA students. And some studies indicate that some people have like seven different interactions with the gospel, the average person, before accepting the gospel, right? So don't feel the pressure. It's like, oh, in this conversation, I need to explain everything so that they come to Jesus, right? Maybe you're not getting them from A to Z. Maybe it's just B to F, right? Or whatever it is, right? Just be willing to play your humble part. I don't want you to be afraid, CA students. You don't need to be afraid. The Spirit of God is with you. And we can make people feel loved as we invite them to the truth that we know. Amen? I just want to end with praying. And I also just recognize if maybe there's, I at the beginning kind of talked about what Christians believe and that God who died to save. If that's interesting to you or if you even want to like, man, I want in on that. I just want to pray a prayer right now to close. Uh, and you can make that decision right now. Or you can, of course, follow up with us after and ask more questions. So God, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for the best news that there ever was. God, I pray that you would help us to be nice, to be ready, and to be strategic in these conversations. That you would keep our motives pure. And that as we do that, you would use us to plant seeds of your truth in people's lives, God. Lord, I also just if, if anyone feels led to, drawn to the goodness of that news, just want to encourage you to tell Jesus, Jesus, I believe that you're the Savior, and I'll choose to follow you as Lord. I will repent and follow you. And if you make that decision, if you pray that prayer, you recognize your sins and bring them to the Lord, you will be saved, and you'll experience the fullness of life with him. So God, we pray for the rest of this night that you'd help us to connect with one another, connect with you, and have a lot of fun. In Jesus' name, amen.